Welcome to season two of My Ministry Breakthrough, brought to you by Oxano. I'm your host, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about church leaders telling unfiltered stories of impact in the local church. We're here to celebrate and share those life-changing moments when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. If you want to learn to read, you've got to stop doing something else. For me, it was stop watching television. And then as my kids went away, it was a natural. I don't have, you know, I don't have to do things with them anymore. So I have more time to do it. But but my point is you have to make a deliberate practice of reading every day. Preferably, you know, on your calendar. I have calendar blocks of time where I know that unless something emer- uh, is emergency for our family, I'm going to be reading. There's some early in the day. There's some later in the morning. There's always some later in the night. Make a deliberate practice to stop doing something so you can start reading. It has been said that leaders are readers, and there is no doubt that this is true. But I also believe that there are three types of readers. Those who read occasionally, those who read regularly, and those who read incessantly. Experts, masters of their craft, and those types of leaders that other leaders aspire to emulate fall into the excessively reading category. They are those for whom reading is not an obligation or a pastime, but for whom the gaining of knowledge through reading is lifeblood. My guest in this final episode of 2019 is just such a leader. His name is Bob Adams, and he is the Digital Engagement Director and Vision Room Curator for Oxano. Bob also serves as our lead guest experience navigator for reasons that will become obvious in this episode. Bob sets the bar high on reading because of his work through the Sums Remix book summary series and how that transfers his reading proficiencies to leaders across the country. In this episode, Bob unpacks his passion for reading, his secret for different types of reading, and really just bottom lines every listener on why reading benefits their life and calling in the local church. So lean in and listen up to My Ministry Breakthrough with Bob Adams, Oxano's Vision Room Curator from Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, Bob Adams, thanks for being on the My Ministry Breakthrough podcast. Tell everyone out there in podcast world, what's your role on the Oxano team? My official title is Vision Room Curator. Uh, That basically has several functions. It means that I read and research a lot of things having to do with vision clarity. One of the ones that we'll be talking about the most has to do with books and reading. Uh, And it's a part of the Vision Room uh, dream that when Will Mancini had this vision Vision for the Vision Room. Even before 2012, but it was launched in October 2012, and the first uh, Sums book excerpt summary we're going to talk about was a week later, and uh, we've done a lot since then. We'll be getting into that. So uh, reading and researching, uh, anything digital engagement, uh, all of our social media platforms, they all come through me, though I don't don't originate all of them. I love the the R&R. Bob, you are the R&R on the team, reading and research, which is very opposite of rest and relaxation, which is what you would think of with R&R. How did you, uh, how did you get into this? Tell me why, when you're looking at your life, you're going, man, if I could have a job where I do a lot of reading and research, that would be amazing. It backed into it accidentally, but I need to start in my childhood. My dad served in the Army Air Corps in World War II. He got out worked a couple of years in odd jobs, and then built a gas station with his brother, opened it in 1949 and ran it 
until 1995 when he retired. So he would work about six days a week, but he would come home and after supper and talking with my brother and I and my mother, he would always pull a book off the shelf and read. So obviously I picked that up watching that and he would not consider himself an educated man, but he was very educated and it was totally through books. Uh, He would go to bookstores and uh, libraries and this, that, and the other, but we had a decent sized bookshelf, uh, bookshelves in our home. Uh, And all my childhood through the 60s, 70s, I would see him read almost every night, certainly on the weekend as well. So that gravitated to me and I'm so grateful for it. So I have to owe my father. He passed away in 2012. My last physical memory of him was Christmas of 2011. Uh, he had had a stroke and was doing okay and then degenerated after that. But uh, one night after going to uh, to bed, I walked through the house. It was quiet. Everyone was asleep. I went to his favorite bookshelf, which was a travel bookshelf, and I looked at the books, and I would see you know, where he had been, both in his mind and also books that he got on travels that he put up on the shelf and said, you got to go to this place. You need to see this. You need to look at this, and here's a book about it. Yeah, and uh, that that was my last physical time that I met him, and he passed away two months later. It sounds like, uh, by the way, you know, just a little inside baseball. Bob and I co-host the Oxano Guest Experience Boot Camp together, and so we tag team a lot. We, although Bob just told me before we I pressed record, he is very very uncomfortable with this. I push Bob and make him answer questions and all that stuff just on the regular. But I also know that when it comes back to it, when you look at the guest experience boot camp and the inspiration for the boot camp and your passion for the guest experience also comes back to your dad, also comes back to the service station right outside Nashville, Tennessee. So you're saying these two, what I would say, if, if somebody asked me, what are the two things Bob is most passionate about? I would say creating an incredible guest experience and reading just really growing and reading. And it sounds like both those came back to your dad. Uh, They do. Uh, We'll unpack them a little bit later as we get into it, but very much so. And my mother was a school teacher and she didn't actively read as much as as my father did, but he did. And it caught on early and it lasted uh, all through now. And I think it will last over. And I'm very proud to say it lasted, is lasting through my children. I have four children. All of them love to read. Their spouses love to read. I have four grandchildren, and all four of those grandchildren love to read. They were just uh, in our house two weeks ago celebrating the holidays a little bit early, uh, and uh, our bookshelves in their rooms that they stay in are full, and they had books out every night reading, and that made my wife and I so very proud. So it's the it's fourth generation of reading, and we're excited about that. Why is reading important for leadership, do you think? I think reading uh, will help you learn critical thinking skills. And I think critical thinking skills are so much an important part of leadership. Uh, I owe that partial quote to uh, one of my seminary uh, uh, professors. Uh, He was actually a professor's assistant who now happens to be the the president of of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Al Mohler. Uh, He has always talked about critical thinking and reading in leadership terms. uh, And I learned some things while while I was in a class that he led that uh, during seminary that have stuck with me since then. So I, I, would, I would simply put it down to leadership at its very core is about critical thinking. And I think reading, uh, whether it's from books or magazines, even online reading, it is going to be the foundation of critical thinking because reading exposes you to such a wide variety of situations and opportunities. And if you're aware of those and if you're learning from those, you're going to learn how to be a critical thinker and a critical thinker is going to be a great leader. 
I, we, we're talking a lot about reading, but I'm not sure that the listening audience actually understands the magnitude of your reading. Like we're not just suggesting that, you know, Bob, like, like Bob, I have four or five books laying around my house somewhere in my ecosystem personally that I, you know, whether that's a, a hard copy, which by the way, I remove every dust jacket of every book as soon as I get it. And I put it in the trash. I don't keep it. I trash the dust jacket. I just have no use for it. I don't know if that offends you or not. Doesn't offend me. It's only a minor mistake, but yeah. I'll we'll talk okay. about that. Okay, okay, yeah. I'd like to know what the mistake. I have audio books on my Audible account. I have, you know, just uh, Kindle books where I'm kind of, and so there's probably about ten books that I'm, it I could jump to because of my ADD at any moment and begin to read. But we, that doesn't come anywhere near how the scope of your reading. Like, give our listeners. In a typical day or typical week, what does reading look like for you? Let's talk a little bit about routines. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, uh, I have a routine that I visit our public library. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have a great library system. I visit our library every Monday or Tuesday during lunch hour. Every Monday or Tuesday? Every Monday or Tuesday, once it a week. It better be during lunch. No, I'm just kidding. And, and uh, so what I do is I typically have put books on hold. And I'll pick up anywhere from one to four books. You do that online? You go online, got a great online sequence. We can talk about it. I use different sources to find a book I want to look at, and then I'll put it on hold. Our our library is very good about having copies of uh, new books uh, even the day they're released. And so a lot of times I can get them the day of or the next week. So I'm visiting the library every week, getting anywhere from two to four books. Once a month, I go to a circuit of bookstores in the Charlotte uh, Mecklenburg area. There's seven of them. And so it takes seven months to go through the cycle. And I will visit the, those used bookstores just to see what's going on. So you go to the used bookstore, one used bookstore a month. Yes. In addition to the library, that's another trip that during once a month. When I travel, example, when I'm traveling this week, I will check out bookstores in the immediate area, either around where I'm working or on the trip there. And it's not unusual for me to jaunt over and see those. Uh, then occasionally, yeah, I, I remember even, we were in Cincinnati. Yep, uh, for Guest Experience Boot Camp last year, and you were excited the whole time. You were looking forward to this old bookstore, used bookstore downtown Cincinnati. Am I right? Detroit. Or was that Detroit. It was that was Detroit. Detroit. The Guest Experience Boot Camp in Detroit. You were super excited. And, and that was really what fueled you, I think, you know, in some ways. I added an extra hour and a half to the trip going to the airport, and I used almost all of it. Four stories, over 1,200,000 books, no digital card base. The staff there was just super knowledgeable. And I lost myself in four levels of bookstores in an old factory for an hour and a half. Yeah. So and acquired a few treasures along the way. Too. So when you're so, on the road, you find bookstores to go to. Right. So you got library Local used bookstores, there's seven of them. On the road traveling, you were about to say something else before I jumped in there. And then Amazon and I are, are quite familiar. It's not I was going to ask what your delivery guy's name is. Uh, we have different ones because I order them different, obviously del- different delivery methods. I most often come through the postal, U.S. Uh, postal Service, and my postal carrier and I are great friends. Uh, she does a great job, and she just shakes her head every time she makes a delivery. If it's one book, it goes in the mailbox. If it's more than one, she rings my doorbell, and I get to see her about four times a week. So we have an Amazon delivery, uh, depending on the season I'm in, anywhere from one to three or four times a week. 
like you get a box from Amazon or a package from Amazon multiple times a week and there's always a book in it. Typically there's a book in it. How many books do you, I mean, you're, your house is a used bookstore, bro. It basically is. Uh, my office is in the upstairs part of our house. It's a former bedroom. We converted into that. Uh, my wife calls it a mixture of a library and a Disney museum. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when you're talking about numbers, you kind of got into that. Let me just tell you what it is year to date and for whatever. So this year, 2019, as we wind up the year, I've acquired 239 books, either by gifts, purchases, or whatever. Uh, I borrowed 104 from the library, and I have 16 others on Kindle. So that's just this year. Bob, so here's what you can't see in a podcast. Bob knows me so well. He's got note cards because he knows the questions I'm going to ask. He's got note cards. They're color-coded. He is prepared. He is more prepared than any podcast guest I've ever had on this. And the fact that he knows how many books he is he has checked out from the library. You probably didn't have to look that up, did you? No. Yeah, you probably, it's a running total. I keep up a, uh, a Google document of books and titles uh, for each year. And then I have two different systems to catalog them uh, for my use. I don't catalog every book I have. Yeah. Uh, I catalog a few certain categories. We're going to get into that in a minute as far as how to read and how to use reading to, you know, help you yeah. become a leader. I'll talk more about that. Uh but that's not all I have. I mean, you know, it, I've, I've given, I don't do it every year, but typically I give away books either to, you know, to different libraries or to uh, Goodwill. Uh, probably in the last five years, I've given away at least 2,000 books, trying to consolidate and go down. I've been collecting books, you know, forever. I'll yeah. go to a used bookstore and I can't pass up the dollar yeah. bin because I'm, I'm interested in learning uh, different things about different How many books do you think you got laying around the house? In our house right now, just our house proper, not a storage unit, we probably have about 5,000 books. And there's a storage unit? It has a few. I've gotten rid of a lot of them in the storage unit. I, I imagine a scene that it, it etched in my memory from the show Breaking Bad where they opened the storage unit and there's just this pile of money sitting in the middle of it. And I just imagine you have a storage unit. It's a storage it unit. No pile of money. Floor-to-ceiling books. Uh, on one side, uh, it's floor-to-ceiling books. Most of it is our kids' uh, furniture. They move away and they don't. Take their stuff with them. So ultimately, we won't give it an ultimatum. So yeah. you got to come and get it. It's going. But anyway. So here's why Here's why this is important. Because uh, we're about to talk about how to read a book. We're about to talk about, you know, techniques and some of those things. We're about to talk about, you know, expounding on why reading is so important in the life of a church leader. I don't want you to think for a second that this is hypothetical, that this is someone who is uh, recommending something uh, but that this is is probably, I mean, as far as I know, an expert on reading books and and helping others read books well. That is Bob Adams. So this is book expertise. It, you know, pastors have big libraries, but I would venture to say their libraries are full of books they haven't read or haven't read, but just a minute part of. Bob, how do you, how many books do you read a week? On an average week, I'll read three to five books. I'm going to put an asterisk with that because there's not, there's different ways to read a book. I don't read every book cover to cover, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but uh, particular books, I will read cover to cover. I, I think we need to talk about that a minute. Uh, those numbers seem large, and they are large. Yes, they are large, but part of it is. No, they're the, large, Bob. Yeah. Those are large. They don't just seem large. 
They Those are large. are large numbers. Well, let me let me say a part of that. I mentioned as a friend, you have a bit of a problem. I, yes, I know. Uh, you know, my books are scattered. All Hi, over. my name is Bob. That's right. So anyway, Sums Remix. I mentioned a while ago. We're going to talk about it again in a little bit. Uh, the original idea for Will's... By the way, Bob's already got the whole podcast planned. He just hasn't told me yet. That's so. right. So the original idea was for Will to for, for from Will Mancini, founder of Oxano, was to produce a book summary that literally was a summary. We do author-based permission, about 2,000, 2,500 words, and we would attach a go-ahead action summary with it. So we launched that in the fall of, of 2012 along with the Vision Room. But you need to know a little bit of backstory to that. Uh, I met Will in 2008. We were both speaking at a national convention, different platforms, but the the convener of that convention knew both of us separately, and she said, you two have got to meet. Well, I, I knew Will uh, by virtue of his book, Church Unique, because I was using it in a consulting role I was at that time as far as a build, church building uh, company. So uh, the book came out in the spring of 2008. I met him in the fall of 2008. We talked several times over the next year or so, and, and one time he said in a phone call, I said, you're going to be working with me and Oxano at some point in the future, and I have a great role for you. And he said, it involves the concept of reading and book summaries and research, and it's going to be a digital-based platform. I said, I'm excited about that. So that came to be uh, in in 2012. But in the fall of 2011, Will was uh, working with a client in the Charlotte area, and he said, hey, let's have dinner together. And so we had a dinner that turned out to be about a four-hour dinner, and we were talking about a topic, and he said, uh, I said, hey, I've got a great book on that topic. You probably haven't heard of it. I gave the name. He said, no, I haven't. I said, well, when we leave the dinner, let's go out in my book, uh, car and I'll give it to you. And your bookmobile, you almost said bookmobile. Well, it was because in the back of my Jeep Liberty, I had a special bookcase rack that I built that held 50 books. And as in my role as a consultant with a church building company, I was going around the Southeast mainly and working with building projects and working in leadership capacity with the executive pastor or pastor. And if there was a book on a topic, that I thought would benefit them, I'd just go out to my Jeep and give it to them say, here it is, here's an idea that you need to have, or read this on chapter or whatever. I said, keep the book if you want to. If not, I'll come back next time I'm around and pick it up. Will saw that when I opened the back of my Jeep and had those 50 books there, it blew his mind. He said, this is exactly what I've been talking about, but in a digital format. So yes, it came to pass about five months later, I joined Oxano. We started in this, getting ready for it. We launched Sums uh, in the fall of 2012. So for two years, every other week, every other week, we would produce a book summary that had about 2,000 words in it. And then the and go you're ahead. using we a little liberally there. You produced a book summary well, with 2,000 words. The, uh, the navigators contributed the uh, go-ahead actions to each one of those. About halfway through the second year, uh, and we were doing a single book every other week. So that was 26 one year, 26 another year. About halfway through the second uh, year, it was getting harder and harder to get publishers' permission to use true excerpts. In other words, 2,000, 2,500 words. They didn't want to do that anymore. So Will and I were having a conversation one day. I said, have you ever considered just doing a brief excerpt that is allowed by copyright law but doesn't require author's permission? 200 words in a critical essay. He said, no. I said, we can do it. I said, also, what would you think about considering the idea of instead of having one book, having three books per summary, Call it not a summary, but call it an excerpt and base it on a single problem. He said, I love that. I'm always thinking about problem statements and problems with churches. Let's go with it, run with it. So we worked on that and we launched that in 2015, again, every other week. But now instead of one book, it had three books with around 200 words, excerpt, and then a lot more go-ahead actions written by our team. 
So we are just completed our seventh year of that or uh, of that book summary process. So issue 134 is released next week. We have used 401 books. So in a given year, if I produce a sums remix every other week with three books, that's 78 books on average per year. So you can see in my number of books acquired of 239 this year, about 75 or 76 of those are strictly for sums remix. So my job allows me to have a large number of books that I do read almost cover to cover for the sums remix and then others for other uses in business and then a lot of pleasure. So of those books that I've gotten, uh, you know, a good almost a third of them are for sums remix purposes. So, so sums became sums remix, yes. you, you know, and then the sums remix is really driven off problem statements that, you know, we've either asked or discerned that, you know, pastors in the local church are facing. How do you read that many books in a week? Let's just get back to the concept of reading. I want to introduce that by pointing to a book. It's a great book, originally written in 1940. Answering my question with a question, Bob answers my question with a book. As soon as I say it, people get turned off. It's written in 1940, updated in 1972. It's instantly applicable, though. You've got to have this book in your library. It's called How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler. That's a great name, Mortimer Adler. Uh, He was a, a scholar, an author. Uh, came up with the idea of the Great Books program back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Most people don't even know about that. But he wrote a book on how to read a book. And I'm just going to go over some quick highlights. First of all, he you got to understand that he said you need to read a book in different ways. Uh, you need to read a book either in an elementary way or an inspectional way or an analytical way or a syntopical way. Elementary, inspectional, analytical and then some other word I don't know. Syntopical. And they stack up on each other. Let's start with the first one, analytical. You're simply answering the question, what does the book say? That's elementary. That's elementary. Yeah, not analytical. Yeah, elementary. Excuse me, elementary. You're reading it just for what the book says. In other words, a sentence, you're not getting very deep into it. It is what it is. That's the very basic level of reading. That's what most school kids, even all the way through uh, senior <laughs> high and even into college do. Mid 40s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Elementary reading is what does a book say? You're pretty much taste, taking it at face level. The next level of reading is an inspectional, and you're answering the question, what is the book about? So you go wait, beyond wait, the wait, words wait, and wait, ideas. Wait, 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 stop. You're telling me I'm an elementary reader. And I'm not telling you what you are. Yeah, you, you are. You'll have to decide. All right. Inspectional. I'm, I'm hurting here now. Talk to me. So inspectional, what is the book about? You know, again, I'm going to be reading most of the sums remix books at the either inspectional or analytical level. I'm really getting into what is, what's it all about, not just the words. So again, inspectional, what is the book about? Uh, you can have some skimming, uh, but you've got pretty much reading. Uh, you want to understand more about what's behind the whole concept. Uh, and this applies to both fiction and nonfiction, though it really goes more to, uh, I'm talking about really more nonfiction here. So the second level is inspectional. Uh, the third level is analytical. And this is where you really dive into it. What does a book mean? Mm-hmm. And you're asking some questions and you're taking notes. And I can say it now and I'll say it again in a minute. Uh, I think when you're doing analytical reading, you're having a conversation with the author. This is where I get a book out and I mark it up. I dog ear it. I put post-it notes on it. I write on it in different colors. I use a system of underlining or stars or open squares or round circles to mean different things that I come back and dive into it. These are the kind of books that you come back to again and again over the years. This is analytical reading. 
The final category is syntopical. <laughs> syntopical is how does this book compare with other books about the same topic? Oh, good Lord. And this is a very highest level that many people won't get into, but I, I love syntopical reading, and I have two or three main categories of syntopical reading. You've already mentioned it. One of my main passions is the guest experience. So I have a bookshelf in my library that's devoted to guest experience. That's a syntopical topic. All the books I have in that category deal with either customer or guest experience. The number approaches 350 right now because it's all about it. Don't form pretend like fashion. you don't know exactly. It's somewhere around 350. What's another one of my passion that kind of does entail that we haven't talked about yet? Disney. 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 So I have a Disney library that has, as of today, actually as of tomorrow, 402 books. I have a brand new book coming in tomorrow. That's a syntopical topic. It's all about the, the man, Walt Disney, and the company founded. My oldest book is a 1939 book. My newest one was published yesterday. So again, that's syntopical reading. You are commute, You are collecting books on a topic in the leadership category. It could be about communication. It could be about leadership skills. It could be about developing uh, communication skills. It could be about culture. You're acquiring a number of books in that. Now, again, granted, the 350 and the 402 numbers, those are pretty large. I have also. Yeah, yeah they are. I have many syntopicals uh, on uh, different uh, topics, uh, like uh, the gas station we talked about. Uh, uh, I did a recent project on uh, Fred Rogers uh, because the new movie out with Tom Hanks. Is you made it Mr. sound like you made it sound like just then you were either in class and you did a project or it was a work thing, you did a project. You did a project because you wanted to do a project on Fred Rogers. It, it's a it's a work in process, yes. I'm actually writing some blog posts and stuff having to do with Mr. Rogers. All right, we're going to put a link in the show notes to your blog posts. Which one, where do people need to go, you know? I have two websites, the particular ones relating most of the books is 27gen.com, and I will put that link in there. All of my Almost all of my book stuff comes out in there. Yeah. The guest experience stuff is on the other site, guestexperiencedesign.com. I do have an annotated library there. So if you went to the, it's the, the page is, yes, is titled uh, Essential Reading for Guest Experience. Yeah. All books are annotated there, you know, with links to Amazon. So you can take a look at it and maybe purchase it if you want to. So now if you're listening and like me, you've not just realized that you uh, are inadequate as a reader but you're not even reading it right now. All of a sudden now, uh, I'm still at, uh, as a Pauline author would say, in the milk stage of my reading. Well, don't go so hard there because out of those numbers of books I read, many of them I read at the elementary level because okay. they're just for pleasure or just basic information. Out of the 400 you read well, again, I have different levels of reading. I'm reading for work, obviously. I'm reading for other okay. projects related to that. But I have what I call basically pleasure reading. And again, keep What's in, your favorite Jason Bourne book? Uh, the second one, whatever the name is. Yes, good, good. Can't remember the title. Yeah, it's not a, it's so, not a Bourne book. Yet. So before you have to think about it, I mean, before we get into it, you have to think about your life states. You know this. The listeners don't. My wife and I are empty nesters. So that makes a big difference. Our discretionary time, you know, is a lot more than it is when we have kids. We're not taking kids to soccer practice or going to events at church or going to school events. That's all in the past. We have four kids that were born four years apart. My wife and I are members of PTA for 27 straight years. We've been there, done that. We're happy we're out now. So we have discretionary times. 
time. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'll binge a few shows, but I mostly read at night. My wife and I have conversations during dinner. We sit down. We talk about things. We, she watches a little TV. I'm reading. We go to bed. She watches the TV. I'm reading. So I do, you know, several hours of reading almost every night that I call pleasure reading. My book sack on the side of my bed, mostly of library books from the last two weeks, is seven books tall. It goes everywhere from a, a history of, of uh, uh, some food and dining things that are going on across the country to uh, a, a biography of Stonewall Jackson uh, yeah. and everything in between. So, again, that's what I do at night. So what do you tell the, the, the listener, the pastor, church leader right now that is, um, knows they need to read more, uh, knows they're never going to read like you read, what are some ways that you can help them in their reading? What are some, give me some, some handles, helps for that. First of all, you have to make time for reading. You have to, you have to deliberately practice reading. Uh, and in the preparation of another project I'm working on, it has to do with Sesame Street, where you're celebrating the 50th year of Sesame Street this year. In case you didn't realize that, uh, you know, started in 1969. So anyway, uh, there's a bit in there one times where one of the characters wants to learn how to play saxophone, but he, he never can do it because he's always carrying the rubber ducky. So one of his friends says, if you want to learn to play the saxophone, put down the rubber ducky. If you want to learn to read, you've got to stop doing something else. For me, it was stop watching television. And then as my kids went away, it was a natural. I don't have, you know, I don't have to do things with them anymore. So I have more time to do it. But but my point is you have to make a deliberate practice of reading every day, preferably, you know, on your calendar. I have calendar blocks of time where I know that unless something is emergency for our family, I'm going to be reading. There's some early in the day. There's some later in the morning. There's always some later in the night. Make a deliberate practice to stop doing something so you can start reading. And then as you're doing that, you've got to realize that you're going to be, don't feel bad about reading at the different levels we talked about. Uh, if you're doing things to, to increase your leadership capacity, you're probably going to be doing analytical reading. You need to set aside some time so you can have a conversation with the author of that book. Don't hesitate to write in it, whether it's a digital copy or your, a print copy. Make notes. What about the, the library copy? Uh, probably not good to make notes in that. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, I actually also keep a, a limited form of journal writing, which we'll talk about in just a minute, for books. Uh, this came from uh, uh, Michael, used to be the president of Thomas Nelson. Hyatt. Michael Hyatt. I met him in 2008 at a dinner uh, connected with a Catalyst uh, event in, here in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, we were talking about different things. And he said, I, you know, I, I, I hear you that understand you like to read a lot from your conversation. I just wrote something recently about that. He pointed me to a blog post about that. So he's been doing this for years, and this was, again, 11 years ago. Uh, he still does this. He actually creates a reading journal for certain books where he takes a one- or two-page summary of the book, a single statement or two sentences about what the purpose of the book is, highlighting some of the key uh, reference or quotes in it, and then how he can apply that to his current work. And okay, if you, okay. And if so, you had, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make sure we don't run past that. So a reading journal, meaning you're tracking what you're reading by the title, yep. author, couple sentences. About the key purpose of what is the, the purpose of this book, one or two sentences at most, and then key highlights of information in the book, no more than six or eight or ten. And if necessary, if, there's a, if it's a quotable book, and some books are more quotable than others, then you can take another page to do that. No more than two pages, though. 
So I've been doing that for about 10 years, and I have about 10 journals full of, of book notes that are one or two pages. How often do you refer back to those? Uh, depends on what I'm working on, but it would be very unusual for me to go by a week, no more than 10 days without referring back to something. And, you, of course, you index every one of them in the front so you know which books are in what. It's more mental index, but I'm good with that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm old school, new school. I have a, a digital version of it, kind of as far as just titles and stuff, but the information, if I want to, I go to that book journal. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we know reading develops critical thinking. Critical thinking is what marks a leader. I mean, it just seems like there's a lot to it on some levels. I I can see, and listen, I'm a reader. I love to read. When I was in architecture school, um, we, it was so intensive uh, studying and working and our projects and all those things. When I got home, the first thing I did uh, was pick up a John Grisham book and disappear. You know, when I was home on a break, I would disappear for however many hours it took, three, five, six hours later. I'd reappear. I read something. Fiction, you know, was kind of worthless on some levels, but it was is great. I love John Grisham. Uh, but then I was ready to function. I also felt an extreme pressure and still do that reading a John Grisham novel isn't uh, isn't valuable or isn't the same as reading a leadership book or there's 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 a hierarchy of reading like is reading uh, Mad Magazine equal to reading uh, a John Grisham book, a pulp fiction book equal to reading a, a thoughtful business or thoughtful leadership book? No, but they all have value. Again, I've already mentioned it. Uh, Al Mohler is one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. Uh, he recommends wholeheartedly that all leaders read fiction books. Okay. Simply because it allows them to explore other worlds that they would never get into. Uh, you know, whether it be a John Grisham book, and I'm a big fan of his as well, or I'm a big science fiction reader. Uh, I have some great books I'll talk about in just a minute. There are books, there are good books, and there are great books. I have two writers in particular that fall in that last quarter a category of great books. Uh, I read those about every five to seven years. Go back and read those. And yeah. then, you know, that's the definition of a great book. It made such an impact. And so it's valuable that when you reread it, you learn new yeah. stuff or you explore new worlds. Anyway, to the point, Andy Weir, The Martian, I read that on a flight from Philadelphia to Houston, essentially. Yeah. Fiction is, fiction is a great source of information for leaders because, yeah. again, uh, even the book that's put together in the, the quickest amount of time, the author spent some amount of time or a lot of amount of time putting it together thoughts that you probably don't have exploring worlds you might not ever go to, whether it's a literal place in this world or another place in a fantasy world, that's useful for you in increasing your leadership. I'm not going to say it's the same level as the other nonfiction books, but fiction you know, writing is very useful for leaders in development. So what are the benefits of this? I mean, get, just bottom line me, benefits of reading. Before Bob unpacks the benefits of reading, and they're good, let's just look at a few stats. 24% of U.S. adults surveyed in 2018 hadn't read even part of a book in the past year. The Pew Research Center investigated which adults were most and least likely to pick up a book. The richest adults are three times more likely to read. A study of K-12 student reading habits demonstrated that six extra minutes of reading per day, six, can turn a struggling reader into one who meets or surpasses their grades benchmark. Adults who read for only 30 minutes a week 
reported feeling 20% more satisfied with their lives in the latest Quick Read study. 40% of the people in that same study claimed lack of time was the main reason they didn't read. But other studies show that in the US, people spend 10 times more time watching TV than reading. It's inescapable that reading makes a difference in your life, but it also requires time and intentional effort. One of the hardest parts of reading regularly is knowing where to start, and that's where Sums Remix comes in. I want to be specific about this incredible resource Bob has been talking about in this episode and give you a special offer. Oxano launched Sums Remix in 2015, and every other week we provide not one, but three book excerpts all focused around solving a practical church leadership problem. Since its launch, we have released 134 Sums Remix issues, covering 401 book excerpts accompanied by specific go-ahead actions designed for church leaders to work with their teams and put into immediate action. Now you can get the best book excerpt tool ever created in a whole new way. The prior issues of Sums Remix from the years 2015 through 2019 have been bundled into six digital bookshelves, one for each of Oxano's primary services, vision, resourcing, capital campaigning, leadership, execution, communication, and discipleship. These are all available for purchase. Each bookshelf contains all the Sums Remix issues related to that specific service. The bookshelf is a PDF and it contains links to download each issue. We're making these available to purchase for $24 per bookshelf. When you buy two or more, the price is $18 per bookshelf. This means you can get all of our Sums Remix on resourcing or all of our Sums Remix on communication in one tidy package for one low cost. You can go to the Sums Bookshelf link in the show notes on the podcast page or email bob at oxano.com. That's B-O-B at A-U-X-A-N-O dot com to take advantage of this incredible reading tool. So let's stay on the positive side of the reading stats and check out Sums Remix today. Several different categories I'll talk about, but I've, I've got a top 10 list here. Number one is mental stimulation. Uh, again, that's if you're reading, you are literally building synopses in your brain to connect. Uh, there, there are some scientific studies that go along with that to say that the more you read, uh, that you can actually delay or even offset the development of dementia later on in life because your mind is being active and doing things like that. Uh, you mentioned it a while ago. Another benefit of reading is stress reduction. Uh, you know, have a hard day at work, come back, you know, you're with the family for a little bit before you're ready to retire. Maybe you're still pumped up and everything. A certain kind of reading can take your levels down to where they need to be to have a nice restful thing. At the same time, the opposite end of that is sometimes uh, books can pump you up. Uh, I've been known to, you know, read certain types of books in order to get ready for an event. Uh, that's, the, like your, that's like your, your, your playlist is a reading list that gets you just wired. Like you don't put music in your head. You you put words in it? I'm known to do both. Uh, the basic thing is knowledge. Reading increases knowledge in all levels. Very closely tied to that, another benefit is vocabulary expansion. If you've ever heard a person mispronounce a word, you know why he mispronounced it? It's because he read it. He didn't hear it. Huh. I can remember the first time that happened to me in college when I was in a speech class of all things and I was giving a speech and I mispronounced a word. And the author, I mean, the, the professor gently corrected on it, but I had never heard it in use before 
but had read it in a book. So again, vocabulary expansion, closely tied to that is your writing skills. If you read, you're going to be a better writer. And whether you're writing a content piece to go online or writing something going to sermon or writing a presentation to the board, if you read, you're going to write better. And if you write better, you're going to get your point of view across to your audience, whether it's a sermon and uh, you know in the, the congregation or it's a board around the table like we're sitting at now. So reading improves uh, your writing skills as well. Memory improvement. Again, it goes back to the first one I mentioned. When you read, your brain is creating synopsis in there. It helps you uh, all in all ways of brain work. In this case, it's going to help your memory. Another one is analytical thinking skills. We've talked about that in terms of the third level of reading analytical. If you read more, you're going to be, you're going to be adapting the skills to be a, an analytical thinker that you're reading about, and that's going to help you in all levels of your life. And one of the last ones, believe it or not, is focus and concentration. Uh, there are some studies that say if you would read anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes in the morning before you begin your regular workday, you're going to be able to stronger focus on what you're doing because of that. Now, that's Does a part Twitter of, count? To a certain extent, if you read a lot. <laughs> no, I think it's really talking about books or magazines. But basically, uh, again, you know, it's preparing your brain for the day that you're going to have. Again, I've got a routine I mentioned a while ago. Uh, my day starts very early in the morning. It starts with devotional reading. That and the reading I do right after that, I think, helps my day go very smoothly because my brain is already in gear with what's going on. Uh, and the last benefit of reading is, is we laugh at it almost, but it's free entertainment. And this is talking about when you're going to the library or whatever. Yeah, you can watch the latest movies on Netflix or Disney Plus, and I do some of that. But, you know, I also, you know, can read a book about whatever uh, and provide Netflix free Netflix and Disney Plus. Well, not not so much that. So You've had, read books on Netflix and Disney. Uh, I have read a book on Netflix, and there's not a book on Disney Plus yet, but there will be soon, I'm sure. So those are some of the benefits. I think that was eight or ten benefits. But the, the biggest one for me, I think, is certainly we have to put knowledge as a foundation of all of it. But the biggest one for me is that it's it's going to stimulate your mind. It's going to help you focus on what you're trying to do. At the same time, it's actually contributing, in my case, contributing to what you're doing. Um, how does Sums Remix and that work you do through that help? What's that? Where does that where does that live in the ecosystem of a of a good leader slash reader? By the way, I tell my kids all the time, uh, leaders readers are leaders. Yes, uh, that's used in different different categories. I've heard different people say that. Uh, my friend Danny Franks probably said it best one time. He said, "You know." One of the best things I like some about Sums Remix is it tells me what books I have, what I need to know, that I wasn't even aware they existed until they came out in Sums Remix. He said, but real close behind that is this also tells me what I don't need to read. And I think that's a great thing. People yeah. think about negativity in a negative way. Yeah. A solid no is a great thing to have because you don't have to worry about it anymore. So if I'm writing a Sums Remix about a topic that you don't have any need of or don't have any concern for right now, you don't even have to worry about it. But maybe that's about a topic you need to know of. And again, the Sums Remix aren't your typical church leadership books, even though there are a lot of those. I go all over the field to find sources for that. So more than likely, I'm going to bring a, an excerpt and a, an action in for a book you've never heard of. Maybe you need to explore that. So that's what Sums Remix really is. It's kind of like an appetizer uh, for a meal. It's just to give you a taste of what this is about. If you like it, go check the book out. Either and a moose-bouche, if you will. Yes, it is. I had one of those last week at a very nice dinner, and so that was uh, that was really great. Gives you a little tease. Gives you a little taste. Here's how the author writes. Here's kind of the, the point of view. Basically, you're doing some of that work beyond the elementary level of reading for us. 
Yes, in a certain way, referencing those levels, I'm always going to be doing the Sums remix, remix books at an analytical level. And I apply a little bit of that analytical level thinking in putting together Sums Remix to help you think at a deeper level rather than just the title of the book. So the good news for maybe um, uh, someone out there like me who's a reader but not maybe as uh, leveled up as a reader as possible is that that Sums Remix is basically doing that. It's basically addressing a topic from three different perspectives and giving some thoughtfulness to not only what the author is saying, but how this applies. Right. Uh, the go-ahead actions that we match with that, and you certainly have a lot of involvement in that as well, uh, That they're designed to uh, have immediate application of that work. In other words, if it's a book on communication, we talk about a different communication skill or something to do it, you can take that uh, go-ahead action and put it into use with your staff or your team that week, maybe even that day. A lot of them require no preparation at all, just go do it. So we'll put a, a link to the uh, the Sums Remix page uh, in the show notes. Is there a quick link that without having to go to the podcast app, they can just remember? Oxano.com slash Sums. S-U-M-S. Dash Remix. S-U-M-S dash R-E-M-I-X. Yeah. Oxano.com slash Sums Remix. And then that's a that's an annual subscription. It's an annual subscription. It's forty eight dollars. Uh, and again, you're going to get somewhere between seventy five and seventy eight books uh, referenced for that. So you know that's the cost of about two books. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great value for that. Uh, it's produced every other week. So uh, we'll uh, you know comes out on Wednesday, mid morning Wednesday. Uh, it comes by email, and it's a downloadable PDF, and you can save it. Uh, some of our subscribers from the very beginning have saved them all. Uh, but we're also getting ready to unleash a, a a new part of Remix, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. We'll talk about it now. Okay. Talk we're, about it we're now. We're to the just a minute part. Okay, here we go. Podcast. So all the issues of Sums Remix, all the prior issues, there are 134 of those with excerpts of 401 books. They're going to be available for purchase at the end of the year. We're going to release it uh, December the 20th. We're going to make it public. And you can purchase. Which has already happened by the time you're listening to this. Yes. So uh, there, it's available for a, purchase it's right now. Available for purchase. And it's going to be on the same page, the reference that. It'll be oxano.com slash sums dash remix. We'll show you where to go for that. And you can buy uh, either one library uh, or all six libraries for five years worth. So again, uh, the, each year, each library is divided into our categories of vision, uh, execution, leadership, uh, communication, discipleship, and resourcing. Those six categories will have anywhere from 18 to 25 issues of Remix in each one. So they will be available if you purchase one, it's $24. If you purchase two or more, it's $18 yeah. each. So basically, we're taking the the books you've read. They're, they're already topical. They're already categorized uh, in, in Oxano's kind of primary areas we work with vision, leadership, execution, resourcing, communication, um, discipleship. and discipleship. Uh, we already categorize in that way. What you're saying is instead of waiting for the next communication cycle to hit, we're taking all the communication sums remix and putting them in one library. It'll be a single PDF. The PDF will have the image of each one on there. Each one is downloadable. So if you buy one, you'll have clickable downlinks and their immediate download. So access to... 400 plus books, and not just the book itself, not just a summary, but some of the thoughtfulness of how this book applies yes. and what that looks like. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and, and we wanted to make this, I mean, it's it's the beginning of the year. It's it's If you're listening to this as they release, it's the beginning of 2020. 
Um, if you're listening to this at some other time, it's whenever time you're listening to it. But the reality is, is that we're at the beginning of the year. Like, you know, um, it is it is the only time we start the year 2020. It is the vision year. And I, I just could, you know, think of no better person to have on to wrap up 2019 and look ahead to 2020 uh, as Bob helping us think about some things to accomplish in reading in this next year. And, you know, I guess I would just kind of leave it to you, Bob, to kind of to wrap us up on this part. And then I have three questions that I ask every podcast guest. But, you know, as you think about 2020, what's a what's a good goal or what's a good way to approach this for, for a leader? One of the things I would say is, you know, you need to set aside time to read. We've already talked about that. Uh, and again, referencing the different levels of reading from the book, How to Read a Book, uh, quote from Mortimer Adler, the goal a reader seeks, be it information, entertainment, or understanding, determines the way he reads. So in other words, if I just want information, I'm going to read it probably in an elementary level, maybe, you know, the inspectional. If I'm reading for entertainment, it's purely elementary. I'm just reading for pure reading pleasure. If I really want to dive into a topic, I'm going to approach that at the analytical or even syntopical level. So what you're doing with the purpose of the book determines how you need to read it. What's the best book you've ever read? What's your favorite book? We'll set aside the Bible. That's the Sunday school answer. That's that's a, certainly a part of it. I was but, waiting for that one. Uh, you know, the uh, I referenced this a while ago. I, I think a good book, you know, is what a good book sounds like, but a great book needs to be picked up again and again. I have two r- sets of books that fall into that category. Of course, there's not just one. Not just one. Uh, that is the writings of There's Jay- a storage unit full of one. <laughs> there's uh, the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, certainly fall in that category, uh, particularly the the three primary books and the, the Hobbit book. But I literally have all of the books he's ever written or his son has edited that he never published. Uh, I revisit those about every five to seven years. Yeah. The other author that fits in that category uh, is uh, Isaac Asimov. Uh, he was a very prolific writer, was, uh, but in particular, he has three sets of books, 15 in total, that uh, were written over a period of 50 years that fit into each other in an uh, immense story that spans thousands of years. And uh, I reread those about every 10 years. Um, other than the Bible, what's the book you've read the most times? Like you think, like you've gone back through it. What's the one book you've read more than any other? Probably one of two. It would be uh, some of Reggie McNeil's books uh, on dealing with transformation and, and uh, missional before missional was a word. And the other one would be Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great. And then um, I'm trying to ask questions that are not already on one of your cards somewhere. That's fine. And it's really, it's really kind of annoying to me that you've already anticipated every uh, every book uh, that I can ask. Hey, I ask every podcast guest three questions uh, to provide some consistency from episode to episode. So my first question is, what's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God apart from reading? Because I know you're going to say reading. Yeah, but. so that, you know, I have to stretch a bit on that. My work role uh, means that I'm basically by myself most of the time. Yeah. I'm squirreled away in my office, you know, reading, writing, whatever. But to answer your question, that is looking for the God in every person I encounter. Okay. Uh, You know, what is God doing in that person's life? Uh, When I walk in my neighborhood, if I encounter some of my neighbors, I ask myself that question or we talk about that with them. 
if I'm out in the public or whatever, if I have conversations, I can, or if I look at people. But but my thing is, you know, what is God doing in that person's life that's evident in his life that I might contribute to? If there was, you could go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself? I would say uh, it's people, not process. What do you mean? Uh, the people that you're working with are more important than any kind of process or project or whatever you think you're trying to do. Hmm. Is there one? This is the third question. It's I, I, Every person gets asked this question, so feels like kind of a layup for you. Is there one book you consistently recommend or give as a gift? Uh has to do with the nature of what I do as far as in terms of guest experiences, and it's actually two books. It's either Danny Frank's book, uh, People Are the Mission, or Jason's uh, book, Jason Young's book, and I just lost the title, He'll Kill Me. Uh, I'll get it in a minute, uh, The Comeback Defect. Yeah. It's all about guest experience in the church. Both those gentlemen are the tops in the field in church uh, hospitality guest experiences. They wrote a book uh, the beginning, uh, two years ago now, each one unpublished it. I literally have given each of those books away over 40 or 50 times since they've been yeah. published. Every time we have a guest experience boot camp, you give away 10 books? Uh, yeah, 8 to 10. 8 to 10 books. So I know you like to give books as much as you like to read books. Uh, Bob Adams, thanks for sharing a little bit at this turn of the decade. Let's not get technical on whether it's actually the turn of the decade or not. Uh, sharing with our listeners about the importance, the power, and the, um, the practicality of reading. Closing quote, you can borrow the book, but you get to keep the ideas. You can borrow the book, but you get to keep the ideas. We hope you get to keep some ideas uh, at the end of this episode. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.